Hello, everyone, and welcome on into the Betting Pros Podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Viola, and we have a fantastic show for you today. We're going to be breaking down some NASCAR. We got the M&M's Fan Appreciation 400 coming up. We're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking a little macro, and we're going to be talking about some sports betting in general because we have one of the absolute best bettors I know on with us today. Joining us, he is also bassist for the band The White Stripes, Zach White. <laughs> hey, how's it going? I appreciate you having me. I am really glad to have you on, Zach. Thank you so much for your time. Um, obviously not actually the bassist for White Stripes, but a very, very incredibly accomplished gambler. And before we get into the NASCAR, I want to talk to you a little bit about that history. What was it like coming into the sports betting world? Because you really were kind of on the cutting edge before everything that we have seen balloon in the last several years. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've certainly haven't been in it as long as a lot of, a lot of people, but for 15, 16 years or so, basically since I was 21, um, you know, the landscape has definitely changed a ton since, you know, like, like what you're talking about. I mean, the last three years, ever since the New Jersey thing and all the States started coming online, it's a whole different ball game now, but um, you know, it's, it, it was, it's still a lot of fun. You know, there's still a lot of fun times to be had. It's a good, you know, I, I, I like it. I think it's a good thing that the way it's expanded, um, you know, it's it created a lot of opportunity. There's some things, you know, I still don't like, um, but it's, it's a lot of fun still. There's a lot of money to be made. There's a lot of good times to be had. And you've certainly been one of those guys who's had a lot of those great times, but what are some of those things that you think have been some of the flaws and the issues that we've kind of been butting into, especially as of late, because you've seen the industry kind of change over the last 16 years. What are some of the ways you think it's changed for the worse? I mean, it's no secret that everybody's complaining about the same type of things. And it's, you know, a lot of these bigger companies that came into the scene are just operating in a very poor fashion, you know, and not optimal fashion. And they're not being fair about a lot of things. And they're doing some questionable marketing and some questionable tactics that a lot of old school bookmakers would have never considered doing or never considered acceptable. Um, and I think it's just a product mostly of putting people in charge that aren't qualified, um, that don't know how to run a sports book in the most efficient, the most profitable way. And um, they're kind of just taking the easy way out. And it's to the detriment of, sports betting community as a whole and what what are some of those practices that uh betters who are maybe just getting into it or who are who are trying to better themselves and don't know necessarily what to watch out for what are some of those things that you'd say that they should keep an eye out for well you know for a fresh sports better you know you're probably not going to encounter a lot of the stuff that you know veteran or sharp sports betters or big sports betters are going to, to run into like the severe limiting uh, the bands, uh, um, but one of the ugliest things that I think happens, you know, is, is the marketing tactics where these sports books are pushing out their absolute products that are the absolute worst for the consumer um, that have the highest house edges that have rules that are written very unfairly that are not in line with industry standards. Um, and it's just kind of, it puts a sour taste in a lot of um, gamblers mouths that have been doing it for a long time and know it shouldn't be done that way. Um, so you're kind of saying, I'm going to entice this new player in, but I'm going to give him the absolute worst of it. And then, you know, it's just, it's not good for the industry. Exactly. Some of these house edges can be really tough because if if you're a new better just coming into it, you don't necessarily spot some of those. You don't see a line that's 
juiced at a completely ridiculous rate or if i mean you can even see with some of these sports books it's minus 125 each way on a spread and that's that that's a criminal amount of juice but someone who's just coming in and maybe doesn't know what they're doing just yet and that's completely okay it's completely okay we we were all new at this at some point i'm certainly a lot newer at it than you are and they might just not notice something like that and some of these books are taking advantage of that it's unfortunate yeah and the ultimate hope is that as as sports betting continues to grow and expand in the United States that some the more competent operators um, can compete on the on the pricing level and the fairness level and the and the value to the to the individual gambler and the you know write more action at a smaller house, house edge and still make a really good profit for the company but you're not um, you're not killing that new sports better immediately by just fleecing his entire bankroll in the first month or you know coming up with some weird rule, rule change halfway through the baseball season where it's you know it's going to really turn that person off from doing business or, or even maybe betting at all anymore uh, because of how they were treated the first few times they came and bet with a new company or something. So, you know, I'm hoping we see more of the circus of the world and the Westgates of the world, you know, keep um, expanding and growing um, and putting that opportunity to um, compete on, the, on a pricing level and a fairness level um, for everybody. Exactly. I mean, that's that's what we all want. We want this business to grow and grow in the right way. I mean, yeah, it's it is all about money changing hands. And obviously the books want your money, but there's a right way and a wrong way to go about it. I'm completely with you on that. Guys, real quick, remember when you're looking for free picks and sports betting advice, bettingpros.com has you covered with tips from over 150 experts to make it easy for you to cash out. Download the app to get sports betting alerts. You'll get notified of favorable bets based on line movements, consensus picks from the most accurate experts, and vetted systems in play. Betting Pros monitors all of the major sports books, most accurate experts, and top systems to identify the best betting opportunities. So download today in the Apple or Google Play stores. But right now, let's shift over to something a little more positive here because we have a great NASCAR race coming up this weekend. And, you know, this season has been an interesting one. We, of course, saw Christopher Bell taking his first checkered flag last week. Is there anyone that you're looking at here up at the top of the board? We've got Kyle Busch, Kyle Larson, and Denny Hamlin. They're, uh, they're with Chase Elliott as the top four favorites here. DraftKings has yeah. Bush at 7-1, to one, the other three at 8-1. to one. Is there anyone that, you're, that you maybe have your eye on right now for this week? Well, you can't you can't mention Pocono without Denny Hamlin. You know, it's it's his average finish there is like I mean, he's raced there a ton too. He's been doing it a long time, and I think he's got like an average finish of tenth or something, and it's just super high. Uh, he's also been pretty good at the downforce tracks this year in the next gen car. Um, so I guess the last one you look back on is uh, Nashville, and I think uh, did he win. Uh, he he led a whole bunch of laps there, I think, and. Um, it's just, you know, it's his track, you know, and, and you know, I think we're going to see some shifting um, and, and it'll, you know, be the first time the new car has been on a, on a non-super speedway track of this, this distance. Um, but it should be a good race. Uh, I would definitely keep an eye and consider, you know, some Denny Hamlin at, at eight or nine or so, if you can find something like that. I mean, it certainly seems like a fair price to me considering his history at the track and how he's been so far this year at the downforce tracks. And you talk about that, the downforce tracks, things like that. For maybe someone who is new to NASCAR, certainly guilty. I'm not a, I'm, I'm not uh, going to pretend to be an aficionado on the sport. But what what is it that makes each race different? Like, how do you judge a course versus a driver versus the field? 
Yeah, you can kind of split all the tracks that they race on, 36 races a year, into four or five different categories. You, um, you have your super speedways, your Daytona, your Talladegas. These are very long, high bank tracks. Um, and you can throw Atlanta in that category now because since the repave there, um, they're using the same restrictor plate. I know it's not called that anymore, tapered space or whatever. They're limiting the horsepower of the engine basically to keep the cars from going 250 miles an hour, which would be a very dangerous speed. Um, so those are those three tracks are, are a completely different ballgame because of the way the car and the engine is, is throttled. And um, so they, 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 the cars kind of race in a tighter pack there. There's a lot of group tightly bunched racing um and that sets them apart from your other tracks which i would call downforce tracks for the most part these are your your charlotte's your atlanta's your michigan pocono um stuff where aero makes a lot of difference because the car is going 200 miles an hour um drafting makes a lot of difference at these tracks um and so those would be your downforce tracks you're anything from basically like darlington size up um a mile and a half, a mile and a third, something like that. So then, then the next would be like a road course, and there's a ton of them on the schedule this year. Um, it used to be there was just two road courses a year for years and years, but then NASCAR realized that they had, they were pretty popular with the fans and were becoming more popular with the fans. And um, So those are completely different because you're turning left and right. You, you might have elevation changes. You might be going anywhere from 30 miles an hour to 110, 120 miles an hour at these tracks. So that's a completely different ball game that requires – um, a completely different skill set from the driver. So you see standouts um, for those category races where uh, somebody who's like a road course specialist or just a, a particularly talented um, excels at those type of tracks. And then you have the short tracks um, or the sh tracks that are flat, um, like Loudon, we just left there, uh, New Hampshire. Um, your Dovers, your Bristols, your, um, you know, your Martinsvilles. Um, so these are tracks where the car is running wide open, but it can only go so fast because the distance is short. The banking might not be as uh, extreme. So there's there's a segment of drivers that are just really good at short track racing too. Yeah, um, I certainly know. My my dad actually used to race a little bit of short track, but on motorcycles. I've been out to some of those. They can be exciting events. It's very different in that world versus the short track racing with four wheels, but still a lot of fun either way. I encourage anyone to get out there and check one of these races out. They are so much fun to go to. Do you love sports betting as much as Calvin Ridley? Are you willing to stake your career on it? Well, here's your chance to win a signed Calvin Ridley Atlanta Falcons jersey, courtesy of our friends at Pristine Auction. Subscribe to the Betting Pros YouTube channel right now. Comment below this video, and that's it. We will be announcing a winner right here on the channel, so make sure to turn on those notifications so you can be alerted when new episodes are up and claim your prize. It's not just that you can bet on the winner. They've obviously expanded the betting menu on NASCAR so much over the years. There's all sorts of props and different things that you can throw in, and one of those is matchups. You can bet either head-to-head -head or groups of four, right? That's right, yeah. Uh, matchups, you know probably the second most popular way to bet a NASCAR race, just behind who's going to win. Um, so for years and decades that I've, that, that with the decade or so that I've been betting it, that was pretty much the two major ways to, to bet NASCAR. You can bet who's going to win the race every now and then somebody might put up who's going to be in the top three um, and then head to head matchups. So usually there's a rotation that comes out of 50 or so different matchups um, each week. And then um, some unique independent sports books would create their own, or then you'd have like the group where you're picking the highest finishing driver out of a group of four or five people. 
And then, you know, as the menus have expanded at some of these newer sports books, you have started to see some more props, like, you know, which manufacturer will win, who will be leading at the state end of stage one, um, how many cautions there'll be, what will be the average speed of the race, and, you know, how many people will finish on the lead lap, that type of thing, proposition style style bets. And so with betting on NASCAR, it is so much different than trying to bet on another sport because you're not just betting on humans here. There's so much machinery involved. How is it that NASCAR really differs from betting on other sports? Like, how do you take into account things like driver ability, car quality, et cetera, while you're handicapping something like this? Yeah, I mean, for sure, um, 100%. There's there's a lot of machine versus man type handicapping. Um, and, and I think this year in particular with the next-gen car, um, the machine um, segment of it definitely got uh, tightened up a little bit. So the, the difference of uh, – what the ability of a Hendrick Motorsports machine in the past versus a, a bottom tier team, their machine was capable of was, you know, it, it might've been a difference of several horsepower, a couple of different miles, a couple of miles per hour when you're talking about on the track. So, you know, the, the, the teams that didn't have the budget of Hendrick Motorsports didn't have a chance to really compete in years past. Um, but that all kind of changed this year with the next gen car um, with a lot of uh, parts and pieces that are regulated um, by NASCAR very strictly. Um, or even provided by the exact same source to these different teams. So the car that um, a team in the past, you know, has now is almost as good as a Hendrick Motorsports car or Joe Gibbs car. Um, So that has made for a lot of exciting racing this year, I think. I mean, we're obviously at uh, 14 different winners so far in the season, um, which is pretty impressive um, compared to years past where you just saw dominance from a couple of particular teams. Yeah, I mean, you saw Kyle Larson just kept reeling off victory after victory last season. It's been fun to see how many different rate racers have been able to actually pull out a win. And, you know, I mean, parity is better in all sports. And it also can create some real value when it comes to gambling, too. You're not going to just be stuck with some heavy favorites with low numbers here. You're going to be able to find more of that value. And that's really what you're looking for in these races. I know you, you particularly, it's all about finding that best possible number how is it that you're able to look at some of these you talked about denny hamlin at eight to one being a fair price what what is that calculation that goes like that you basically look at a number and say i have value here like i have some sort of edge here yeah i mean you're in a lot of in a lot of instances you know early in the week when you don't have a lot of information about what particular chassis a team might be bringing or what they're what how they unloaded um you're kind of you know, just eyeballing stuff early in the week, you're saying, well, this is my best guess about what kind of car this team is going to bring, how they're going to perform at this track. Um, so like, you know, you ex- mentioned that Denny example, and I'm not, by, I'm not saying that Denny at eight to one is a great bet. And a lot of times these odds to win markets have a pretty big house edge. So you got to find something pretty substantial to, to bet it, um, you know, midweek or so. Um, but yeah, a lot, a lot of things you're, you're looking at, you're making your best guess about how, uh, what type of car and how fast they're they're going to be running this week, and you're and you're looking at how this driver um, has performed at these type of tracks um, in the past. Um, you're making guesses about I mean, are they going to qualify? Is he going to be able to select a pretty decent pit box? Um, you know, did they lose personnel last week? Did they get a penalty? You know, are they in desperation mode? Are we coming from a cutoff? Like, how is this um, driver going to be feeling the pressure? You know, this this particular week. Um, 
so I mean, it's, it's a lot of different things. I, obviously, I can't say all the secrets, you know, um, currently, but you know, there's there's a lot of different angles to look at as far as picking out value on an outright market. Era. Yeah, I feel like that's that's always the biggest question. It's a, and 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 so much of it is just a matter of experience and having been there for long enough that it just kind of becomes that innate thing. I know we've certainly both talked with our friend and friend of the show, Aaron Kessler, about just being able to look at a line and say, eh, that's off. There's so much of it that maybe there is math involved, but it is also that gut feeling of you just know it because you've been there for so long that you can kind of see it. And it's about developing some of that experience. But with NASCAR in particular, how is it that it's changed? How have you watched this sport change and how you bet it over the past decade? Yeah. I mean, it's funny you mentioned Kessler because I was just talking to him um, a few days ago when I was out in Vegas and, you know, and there was one point earlier in this year where Kyle Larson was like eight plus eight fifty to win a race. And um, I was like, I'm not sure that there's a race on the circuit that I wouldn't bet. I wasn't like Daytona or something that I wouldn't bet Larson at eight to one. But that was, a, you know, that was a while back when we had that conversation the first time. And then I was like, well, you know, the way things have shaped out this year, you know, you're just not seeing that dominance from a particular um, team or a particular driver anymore. Um, so, so the way things have changed, to get back to your question, is, you know, this year there's been a tremendous amount of change. All those changes with the, with the, with the generation of car has obviously made a, made a big difference. Um, and the way things, the way the, the amount of information that's out there um, as far from a gambling perspective is a lot more in the past few years too than what it was 10 or 15 years ago when I first started. Um, you know, in the mid-2000s when you're looking at, how to how to gauge how fast the driver was going to be or how good a team was going to be a particular week. You, you might not have, but a few little tidbits of data to go off. It's like where he ran at a similar track earlier this year, is he going to be bringing that same car back? Is the surface, the track surface the same? You know, are we going to expect the same type of tire wear and the same, um, you know, performance from this from this driver at this, at this new track? Um, and then that might be all you had. Come Friday or Saturday, you, you see a qualifying number, you see a, a highest practice number, but that wasn't worth all that much. Um, two years later, they changed the way the information got distributed, and so you could watch practice. It started being on TV more. You could get like an average speed of how how fast somebody was over a ten lap average um, during practice. And for years, there was two or maybe even three practice sessions each weekend, so you had a lot of data to look at. And then I guess it was in the early 2010, 2012, where I started realizing, well, you know, this information is out there. I don't need just an average. What if I get every single, every single lap time, every single time they turn the lap on the track in practice? Like maybe there's a way for me to get that. And sure enough, you know, with a little programming experience, you can um, extract that information. Um, you know, there was one point where before it was available uh, on the internet, I was, you know, I was joking with some of my partners. I was like, we should just send somebody down to the track every week and you know, look over the truck series guys' shoulders because they all have monitors that show everybody's speed and every, a lot of different data points. And you know, how, how much would it how much would it cost for me to you know sponsor this truck series team or this Xfinity series team for a season? But it, they let me in exchange they let me have access to some of the stuff that's just not you know widely available. So now, like as as you know, gambling progresses and the years go on, and more and more people have access to the same information, you kind of have to change your tactics. You know, everybody knows about the average practice speed now so including the guy who's setting the line so there's just really not much value to be extracted from that anymore so you have to kind of look for other little tidbits here and there to try to figure out um just a little bit better um 
guess about how somebody's going to do them than what the bookmakers and what your competition as a professional better has. Want to track all of your wagers in one place? Check out the Betting Pros Pick Tracker at bettingpros.com slash pick tracking. It syncs up with your sports books to tally which picks hit, which miss, and gives you a live look at what the public is doing so you can use real-time tracking to determine which plays to make and which to fade. Get on the leaderboard and quickly become a sharp by using the free advice we offer at bettingpros.com slash pick tracking. It, it, it is true. We are in the information age and you're able to get so much of it now. And you, you talked about that. The information being widely available is great for betters because you can make a more informed bet. But the flip side is the books have that same information and they're able to use that when they're setting the lines. And it's made lines a lot tighter, right? Sure. And that's, that's not NASCAR specific. That's any, any sport. Yeah. You know, if you're not if you're not improving your handicapping every single year or maybe even in the middle of the season, then you're not going to win using the same tactics year after year. You have to do something to con- continually stay a little bit ahead of the bookmakers and a little bit ahead of your betting competition. And another thing that I want to get to you, uh, get, get to with here with you, uh, long shots, because we talked about some of the favorites. We talked about Hamlin being up there at the top. But, I mean, you look at some of these riders, I mean, yeah, Ty Dillon and BJ McLeod down here at a thousand to one. You're not necessarily looking on betting at betting them, but where, how do you look at a racer and where do you start drawing the line on some of these guys that are a little further down the field? Like you got chase Briscoe at 30 to one Suarez at 30 to one, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not necessarily throwing them out as potential winners for this race. I'm just saying th- there's a wide range of options here. Once you get down into some of these numbers where you're still getting, a pretty high payout on some of these guys, Kurt Busch, 20 to one, you know, you know, you know what I'm saying here? Yeah. How, do you, how do you draw the line on long shots where you're, where, where you're saying there's some value here? I mean, I think that this year has proven that there's, you know, you're, you're really way, way down in the field before you say, well, this person does not have a chance at all. I mean, in the years past, you could knock off half the field immediately because, well, their equipment sucks or they're going to be driving at two miles an hour slower than the leaders and they're going to be trapped a lap down immediately. So it would be like a miracle for them to pull something off. And then the very bottom of the, of the tier, the last 10 teams, you know, most of them wouldn't even bring enough tires, you know, to the track to complete the whole race. They just didn't plan on they were, they were starting and parking or something similar um, where they were just there running some sponsorship time, getting a little bit of the purse, and then going on to the next race. They knew that they didn't have a chance to win. You know, in 2022, I think there's only a handful of teams that that don't have any shot at all to win. Um, and then at some races like Atlanta or Daytona or Talladega, maybe they do have a shot to win. Maybe that that uh, uh, Todd Gilliland or, you know, somebody like that does is able to, to maintain speed, be on the lead lap, and, and make, a, make a move at the end of a Daytona and, and win. Um, so this year, you know, when we were first when at the beginning of the season, when you're looking at futures and stuff, I mean, I, I was able to pick off a couple of good things, but I really missed out on some, some big value on these, these teams like Trackhouse um, and 2311, which had drivers in the 100 to 200 to one range. Um, and then they've all won races uh, this year. So they're, they're in the playoffs. So now they're 20 or 30 to one. And, and, you know, had we, had I, I mean, I, I had an idea that the that the teams were going to tighten up as far as the difference of the equipment, you know, and, and how everybody's pretty much starting with the same chassis, the same engine now, um, that we would see some some new drivers win a race. But I just did not expect it to be um, exactly to the extreme that it has been this year with 14 different winners. 
right, my last question for you. Is there anyone here for the Poconos that you're looking at in that maybe mid to long shot category? Anyone that we can give out on the show here? So tell you the truth, man, like I, I am, I'm actually going up to Virginia tomorrow to bet, and I haven't, um, I haven't looked that closely at it yet. And um, I was planning on doing that later today. Um, but so I, I don't have one for you. I, I did like what you said, Briscoe 30. That that's uh, one of my drivers that I'm pretty high on this year. He had the success with the win early in the season, and it's kind of you know not not had the the runs as good lately. But uh, he is a guy I've had my eye on. I think he's a talented driver, especially when you deal with um, shifting. Um, on some of these tracks, and I think they will be shifting over the tunnel turn at, tunnel, tunnel turn at Pocono, um, if not every turn. Um, so you got a guy like him who's who's a pretty pretty great driver um, and a shifting driver, and there's there could be some value there at thirty to one. All right, Zach, thank you so much for joining me here today. I really appreciate the time. Uh, where can people find you uh, all around the internet and what you're doing? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of go in waves of my activity on the social media and stuff, but uh, you can find me on at Gamble Balls on Twitter. Um, that's probably the best best place to find me. And if anyone wanted to stop by in the Carolinas and get a nice, refreshing adult beverage, where should they go? Uh, you can find me here on the coast of North Carolina. Um, it's a little town north of Wilmington called Surf City, and I have a brewery and taproom here. Um, and a private event space, which is where I'm hanging out right now, trying to avoid the noise, which hasn't worked out very good. Um, but yeah, come by and see me. All right. I'm Colch for you. Oh, there we go. Oh man, I, I need to get myself a beer. You're a little ahead of me on the time right now, but I'll be catching <laughs> up to you in a bit, my friend. Thank you again so much. Guys, once again, you can follow him at Gamble Balls on Twitter. Find me at TV at work. Thank you so much for checking in with us today. Don't forget to tune in for our next episode. We're going to be talking about some of the craziest sports that have come up that you can bet on with John Lukasik former Caesars Sportsbook Manager. It is going to be a fun one. Don't miss that. And of course, don't forget, subscribe to the show. Give us that five-star rating. And as always, follow at Betting Pros on Twitter. Guys, best of luck this weekend with the Poconos, and we will see you next week.